The time is 2.34. Time now for Artsing Round with Andrew Dembina. And here he is. Good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Sadia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. The sun is shining. It's getting quite warm, though, isn't it? 31 it degrees is at the moment. Yeah, summer. Summertime. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, are you right. out and about? I am. I'm out and about. Um, and uh, in today's Artsing Around, I have reflections from places other than Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Starting off with a couple of uh, very interesting fine art-related items concerning uh, two, uh, two women. We'll start off with uh, someone who just delivered the inaugural speech, or lecture, I should say. It's, um, it's Dr. Melissa Chu, who is one, regarded as one of the authorities on uh, institutional art, as in states-run uh, galleries, having been born in Australia herself, and uh, she she chose she chose women as one of the focal points in a new annual presentation by the National Gallery of Australia that was just delivered last week. Hmm. Um, I, I, I sent uh, Sadia, I sent you a picture of her, which doesn't really tell an awful lot apart from that she's standing in uh, front of a few paintings. Yes. Because that's uh, that's the world. Looking very in. graceful and elegant. Yes. She, yeah, yeah. She's born in Darwin and uh, and has been very instrumental in Canberra, uh, Nas- the National Museum of uh, of Art in Australia, and also in some of the leading um, museums in Melbourne and Sydney as well. But she decided to spread her artistic wings further and she's been in America for quite some time and she is now with the Hershorn Museum in Washington and, and it's from there that she spoke by, uh, via video link last week to, um, to a gathered live crowd in the National Australian Art Museum uh, in Canberra to talk about where she sees fine art as being at at the moment mm-hmm. and what she's trying to do to uh, make it ethically a better place. Um, the, um, she, she's kicked off then something that is being called the, um, it's being named after Betty Churcher. It's the Betty Churcher um, Annual uh, Oratory. That's a bit of a mouthful. Mm. And <laughs> It's, um, and the reason that Betty Churcher was singled out to be the name behind this is it's someone who was a pioneer for women in the world of art teaching and also for uh, art institutions in Australia. She became the first female director of an art gallery in Western Australia in 1987 uh, and the first female director of the same Canberra National gallery from 1990 to 1997 where the video talk took place so there was no surprise that she was um that she that she was the name given to this annual lecture that's going to take place and it also as i say it wasn't surprising that dr melissa chu who is such a trailblazer going off to the u.s um after founding galleries that focused on indigenous australian um art that's the aboriginal mm, um kind mm. and and also on a very diverse deliberately diverse collection of uh, people with different uh, ethnicities and also uh, physical abilities disabled artists and mm. all sorts she really that's did good. cast the net yes to to have 
every uh, sort of sector of the community involved. So she spoke with a uh, renowned in Australia journalist and author whose name is Julia Baird, who basically um, put her through her paces. She was allowed to give her speech, but then she was quizzed by uh, Julia Baird. So some of the statements that she made, Dr Melissa Chu, was that... Um, that she has done, she wants to follow in the footsteps of Betty Churcher, the person who the uh, lecture is named after, because she did something that wasn't easy, which was just to break through the gender thing, really. I mean, I say just, I'm not being flippant by saying that, but, it's, mm. but, but, she, but, she, uh, but Dr. Chu has wanted to take it much further than that with uh, some of the examples that I said. Within her first year as director of the Hirshhorn in Washington, um, for example, she staged in, in America an exhibition of Iranian-American uh, art that was important. Uh, it was a female artist whose name was Shirin Neshat, and um, it was important for her to have both uh, a female but also to show art from a place that hasn't been talked about, Iran, in mm. terms of fine art. Nice. And mm. so... Yeah, and she, you know, she got the backing on all of these ideas that she did. On diversity, um, she said in her speech that when I was coming of age looking for jobs in Sydney, I noticed there were no Asian Australians in leadership positions in, in the fine art world. Mm. Uh, there were none in curatorial positions, not even in departments of Asian art. That means in, uh, in galleries that specialise in Asian art, there, were no, there was no representation by... Uh, by experts that were of Asian ethnicity. And that really struck me, she said. Mm. So it was a key reason that she went on in Sydney to get the funding with other uh, partners to establish a gallery that was called 4A. Um, that's what, before she went to America. Um, and that was to give the opportunities, not only to Australian Asian artists, but as I say, to cast them that wider. Um, yeah, so this is a very interesting speech and there are extracts of it that people, if they want to, um, can can hear. Um, I'll give you that in the end, but I just want to mention a couple of the other highlights of things that she really has done which have made a difference to international as well as American art since she went to the US. So she's been there for a while, and she uh, one of the first exhibitions that she did in America was something called Art and China's Revolution. And it was talking about the progress of China, and it was in 2008... Um, and it was um, the year of the Olympics, and she, she put this on in the States to coincide with the Beijing Olympics, showing uh, a look back at Chinese art from the 1950s through to the 1970s, a sort of retrospective mm -hmm. of those two decades, mm -hmm. uh, because, as she said, there's never been an exhibition of this period of Chinese art before. Um, so she discovers many artists who... Since then, since she put on the exhibition, not necessarily because of that, but since then have now become world famous and collectible. And so she went back to the Cultural Revolution, which was uh, a, a time where there were, you know, certain nationalistic uh, types of art. But there was not only that, there was also other art going on that wasn't of a political or social nature, that just was art from the 50s um, and through to the 70s, which... Uh, which had been kind of uh, largely ignored. So she enjoyed, um, she says, saying uh, that people had told her it seemed an impossible show to put on, but she, through her grafting and research, found the artworks and the artists and did it. And, it, and, what, and what a story, really, mm. that, uh, that, that these are now coming up, um, not, not from that show specifically, necessarily, sure. but, but that these are now very collected artists.
Mm. Um, and she also added that there were voices in the New York art world that uh, were, were saying that this period of Chinese art wasn't really that relevant to global art. She kind of dismissed all of this and just mm. went on with it. So a her. very, very... Um, Determined uh, woman, it seems. Yeah, yeah really, really. Um, uh, so uh, I just want to quickly add that uh, she, she, she does look across beyond uh, Asia, as I say, with the Iranian artist, and she also is taking on although she's in her 60s, um, not that there's any reason age has anything to do with it, <laughs> she is now looking, as everyone is, at technology for the future of art. No, I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not I knew it was going to come at some uh, point. No, no, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm literally going to bypass what you're thinking. Um, and if, 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 if the listeners are regulars, they'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but, but she says that in the same way that um, in the 1930s, um, there was a movement of art called Dadaism. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of no, that. No, no. Okay, that was where artists really um, went against the traditional oil painting and sculpture from clay and carved stone that was going on. Um, there were people, even a little bit, although he's more surrealist, Salvador Dali was also um, working with the Dadaist movement. They they had a kind of mission that if an artist among their group, it sounds a little bit arrogant, but if they said something was art, then it was art. Okay. And the most, the most famous one of those, his name was Marcel Duchamp uh, uh-huh. in France. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it's about um, coming up for 100 years ago now. He presented what he called um, Fountain. And it was actually a gentleman's urinal. Um, uh-huh. And it was... Uh, and he... And he called it fountain and he presented it on a plinth, as you would do, you know, a little um, stand that you would put a sculpture on. And it caused an absolute furor. You know, uh-huh. this was the sort of thing that, that was on front pages of newspapers and magazines in its day. Uh, it, in other words, it would have gone viral. In well, it's got language. the attention then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he really did... Um, uh, do things that, that, that made a, a, a kind of a shake, not for the sake of it, but it was for to challenge the existing uh, comfortable fine art world that existed. And that's what she says. She cites the Dadaists as, as doing that. Um, so if you, if you do want to go and have a look at a bit more, anybody listening, you can go to um, the National Gallery of Australia's website, which is NGA. Dot .gov.au dot and there are extracts of this very inspiring lengthy talk so some of the key points have been broken out both in uh, websites sort of copy on the screen but also there are some video extracts mm-hmm. um, of the uh, delivery of the speech that she gave it's, um, it's something that I think uh, is interesting to give have her take as being one of the pioneers, regardless of her gender, of art institution and breaking the barriers with some exhibitions in the last three decades. Mm, sounds so, great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So moving on to the next story, it's one of Japanese royalty, and I uh, also sent Sadia a, a picture, picture. Of, uh, uh-huh, on my webs on um, my Facebook page, Sadia Osmani on Radio Three RTHK. Right, and uh, the uh, the person that I'm talking about is Japanese former Princess Marco, who is reported to be volunteering, uh, working for free in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York in its uh, Asian Arts Department. So why would she be doing that? She has taken a kind of um, self-ostracisation 
from Japan after she married somebody who was not from noble descent. Oh. And there was a big, oh. yeah, there was a big uh, kind of furore about that. So she rescinded her title. You know, it's happened, of course, in other royal families yes, uh, over yes. over generations now and then when the uh, the children who are in line to the throne do decide to go their kind of secular course or civilian mm. course. And that's what she did. She renounced her royal title to marry her college sweetheart and uh, they both went to live in New York. She may have a little... Uh, you know, her little royal savings account, perhaps, that allows her to work free. But, but her new husband is also um, a lawyer who is uh, working for one of the best law firms in New York. So, um, so he, 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 he probably is able to, uh, to kind of, um, you know, be the Keep breadwinner. The, the and, lifestyle uh, that she's accustomed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that would that, take some doing for a member of a yeah, royal family. But, 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 they're, but they're, still, they're still together and, uh, and reportedly uh, happy. Um, so uh, the former princess then, she had a master's degree in uh, art museum and gallery studies from the UK, the oh. University of the UK in Leicester. <laughs> and uh, she announced plans to move to New York um, where, where, her, where her husband was just finishing his law degree. And she decided to, uh, as she'd studied art museum uh, curation and administration, to go and work in one of the world's best known um, sort of state-run uh, museums, the Metropolitan. Mm -hmm. And so it's, un it's unpaid, though, which has caused uh, a lot of sniping in the Japanese press, uh, according to uh, um, yeah, r the reports that, I, that, that have been translated and uh, in the Japanese Times. She's been working with the Asian Art Department on an exhibition of um, Japanese uh, hanging scrolls by Ippen, who was a travelling monk who helped spread Buddhism through Japan in the 13th century. So some of these are very mm. much ar artifact, you know, mm. very highly mm. culturally relevant. Um, it's funny, every time we talk about anything to do with art, so I always think that we, we, that we do cross over things that we've spoken about before. Yes. We've spoken recently, yes. yeah, about the acquisition of, um, of art that, that, that tells a very important cultural story or a bit of history mm. from places. Um, she obviously doesn't have a problem with these uh, Buddhist scrolls from the 13th century hanging in a New York museum. And I don't say that insinuating. I know it sounded like it. I didn't mean to say that it shouldn't be there. Mm. But it's all about provenance, and we've gone into this before. Mm. But anyway, mm. I digress. Um, she, um, she, she feels, and she said in the Japan Times article, that she is in her element uh, by dealing with um, one of the most... Um, uh, respectable art galleries in the world and also still in touch with the history of art from Japan. So mm, that's, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, finally for today, it's, uh, it's in America uh, again for our last story. And it's about a, uh, uh, a new international sculpture commission, an annual one, in a place called Springfield, Missouri. I thought right. Springfield was only in The Simpsons. Which is, uh, <laughs> if anyone, if anyone's watched that, did you ever see? Did you ever see any of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do mention yeah. that. I, I think I've heard of Springfield actually. Um, I'm just trying okay. to think when, but but not from The Simpsons. <laughs> right. From... Well, it's, it's it's in Missouri, and it, um, it, it they used to have something that was limited to people in the United States only, but they decided to open it up, and they had lots of entries, and the person that won the uh, the right to put his sculpture mm -hmm. in 
Springfield uh, on their annual sculptural walk, uh, was actually from Canada, so not far away to, uh, to travel. And his name is Mike Salisbury. He's a multimedia artist, and he just very recently installed his work, which is entitled Cool Now. Can you guess why it's called that? Because it's a telephone box. <laughs> it's hardly yeah. a sculpture then, is it? I mean, Andrew, like it's just something that already exists and he's just decided to put well, it there, right? Well, he's actually, he, it's, a, it's a good point. If you look at the picture on Sadia's uh, Facebook page, it looks like, uh, exactly as she said, that it is the shell of a, of a, a kind of old telephone school box, telephone yeah. booth. Mm. Yeah. And, um, but in fact, uh, of course, He's made everything from scratch. Okay, <laughs> not, okay. fair so, enough. So, All right. And there are, um, I, I didn't send you a close-up shot, but, uh, but across the top of it, where there's a light blue strip, there's some wording that says 1.50, and, and it doesn't explain anything mm. more. And you're supposed to think that that maybe means $1.50 for a call. Okay. But, uh, but he says that is actually a connection to the environmental concern of the world temperatures, global warming, oh. to be kept below 1.5 okay. degrees Celsius, okay. yeah, which is agreed in the uh, 2015 Paris Agreement in International uh, Climate Change, a treaty that was made between a lot of nations. So the location that uh, Salisbury said he searched for when he made his application to be, uh, you know, and become the winner of this was uh, he looked at Springfield, the place, on, using Google Earth to see where he could find something. And the park, <laughs> yeah, the park that the booth is located in is in a downtown location. So, so lots of people go there for a break if they're working in the middle of town for lunchtime and so on. And he wanted to make people think although it's subliminally and takes a bit of explaining, as I just uh, yes. gave, about what that 1.50 means. Yeah. There's no telephone in there. So this is conceptual art. This right. is, um, you know, one of those pieces where, you, where it's meant to prompt thought and to be in a non-gallery situation to interact with the public. It will prompt thought. For sure, <laughs> I think well, you know. If you suddenly run well, into this in a forest, in a park, yeah. and you see this shell, um, no telephone. Yeah, no telephone, sense. and you just—it will get you thinking. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, one one other one other of his uh, works that he did in his native country, Canada, in Toronto, in a place that is nicknamed Graffiti Alley, um, was to put three telephones of different colours in an open booth, which is basically almost like a box where you see three receivers hanging up. They're all colourful ones. <laughs> and he actually put those ones in. You can't, again, make phone calls on them, but they do have clear receivers. Um, he wanted to see, as it's Graffiti Alley, so-called, as there are places in other parts of the world. I know there's one in Melbourne that I went to a few years ago that was kind of on the tourist trail, which had this kind of hip-hop, wild-style um, uh, spray-can art. He wanted to see what the graffiti artist did by him putting a, uh, a smaller than the one pictured on your Facebook page, phone booth with three colourful receivers, whether they would sign them, whether they would spray over them. So it was th this was more of a um, see whether people interact with street art that he made, that type of experiment. Mm. So rather than having a, a, um, an implied meaning, as the one did about... Uh, global warming that I mentioned just now in Springfield. Um, this was more to interact. So he likes his phones, he likes his public yes. art. <laughs> Do we have enough public art in Hong Kong? 
do you well, think? Well, well I, I don't know. I think perhaps a couple of these things in the midst of these parks that we have might be interesting, you know. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a great sculpture park in Kowloon Park um, on the, off Nathan Road, which, uh, which I, I haven't been to for years, but I do enjoy, or I did enjoy, when I used to live in Kowloon, going there um, uh, just, to, uh, just to muse over the, uh, the, the pretty amazing variety of uh, sculptures from around the world. So I'm assuming that that is still very much alive and well. But we don't have them on the streets, though, really, do we? No, no, that's right. It's too busy. Too well, busy I, think I, I think there's a, there's a gap in the market there. Maybe, you know, <laughs> we should yeah. get down to it. <laughs> Artistic, uh, artistically inclined uh, listeners, yes. Put your, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, put, put your plans in. And just say it's art. Council. And if you just say it's art, then <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Just say, you know... Like Marcel Duchamp, the guard <laughs> artist who nominated a gent's toilet as art, you know, but, but better. But, but you yeah. know, you do see these things sometimes and you do question some. I mean, you know, it's just like that kind of frame with just a black colour in it and that's it. And, 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 you know, you look at it and you think, does it really make sense? I don't know. Maybe to an artist it does, but I'm not sure I kind of really understand it completely. Conceptual <laughs> artists. I people, know. I know. Yeah, people, people write research papers on this. I know. <laughs> I know. They're yeah. probably thinking, "What side are you talking about?" Good. Okay. So, what are you up to now, then, Andrew? Are you off to somewhere else now? Somewhere interesting? Well, nothing artistic, uh, unless you call um, the, the layouts of a magazine um, artistic, which, to a certain, uh, in a certain way, they would be. But the graphic designer that works for a magazine that I'm also involved with would right. probably argue that what she does is art. All right, okay. Well, thank you so much for today. That's super. And we'll see you again on uh, Tuesday then for uh, for food and drink. Okay. All right, then. See you then. Bye bye. Bye.